welcome to our occasionally lucid podcast, Legends of Philadelphia. Today is not going to be one of those occasions. These are your hosts, Johnny Zito and his best friend, Tony Trove. I'm Brian Beerman, helping out on engineering duties. You might be asking, what makes these loudmouths such experts? (laughs) (laughs) Well, in addition to being Philadelphia natives, Tony Trove and Johnny Zito have a little t-shirt business, South Fellini. Let me do that again, because... Because you do a better trove. Thanks. South well, Fellini that focuses <laughs> on Philly culture and in jokes. Lots of times customers will really ask us. I added really. Is the Jersey Devil real? That's where I, that's why I added it. <laughs> or they want to know the best diner in town. Oh, we can't even get, get started on that. <laughs> so we decided to start this podcast as an easy explainer for new Philadelphians and a refresher for those old heads. City fascinates and excites us, so we're hoping to share that with you. Okay, real quick about the diner thing, though. I think it depends on what you're getting. Depends on the <laughs> diner. I mean, if we're talking breakfast, we're talking Melrose. You know, that's a very measured response. If we're talking, if we're talking French onion soup, we're talking oh, the Argan uh, Diner. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, there's just there's hits. There's hits. They all have their specialty. There's they're a general d- dinner, but they all have their specialties. The swordfish at Penrose Diner. I <laughs> want <laughs> a cocktail and a swordfish. <laughs> I'm uh, I moved into um, South Philly last night. I rolled in. The I town. can't believe you want to talk about it. I we were, I wasn't going to bring it up. Welcome. Welcome to town. I rolled into town. I'm out of the Northeast, and I, I live. I live, I live here now. Welcome to did civilization. You, did you double park in front of your neighbor's house to sh- to establish of dominance? Course. I don't even drive, and I did it. <laughs> <laughs> this is my, and I put a traffic cone there too. Good, just to let everybody know. It's like it's like when you're a dog at the dog park. You like, I'm yeah. gonna piss on everything. This is my, this is my place. You're now. marking your territory. And that's what I did. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I I need. I'm trying to collect. If anybody has an extra. Um, lucha masks or succulents. They're very different <laughs> things. <laughs> but I, I, Stop it. Has that's the decor? That's what you're that's what you're decorating your apartment with? <laughs> yeah. I can give you clippings of my spider plant. <laughs> okay. I don't know. <laughs> well welcome, Brian. I'm ex- <laughs> I am very intrigued by this one because you sent us the thing. And it says Al Shoes, so I don't know who that is. So I'm no. I'm looking forward to, to this. <laughs> well, I I know I know last week for I never do that, but last week I mentioned that this week was going to be an errors and omissions episode on our way out, and this is not an errors and omissions episode. We oh we, yeah. What other what other things do you lie about? <laughs> <laughs> what other what other falsehoods do you promote? <laughs> I knew that, and I didn't even notice. Like, I didn't even blink an eye at that until you said it. People just glaze when when Zito's rambling, you know? They just... They people are upset. They don't want... They don't people want, people but, are like, wait, I want, wanted an errors and omissions episode. Well, I think some people are maybe looking for their their comments or their the emails that they sent us to be read, and we didn't forget about you, but a lot of the stuff, a lot of the content was Christmas-based, because our like first four episodes of the last ten were all like Christmas and Thanksgiving yeah, episodes. It was a 
Christmas. All that just kind of seems out of context right now, and I kind of figured maybe we should let a few more episodes build up and save the maybe save all of this stuff for a big fiftieth uh, uh, anniversary episode. Zito cancels Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so uh, I guess we'll look forward to some kind of anniversary episode, but today we're going to talk about um, Alan Iverson and... Al's uh, shoes. Al's shoes. We're going to talk about Alan Iverson's Reeboks, uh, his signature sneaker line, um, and uh, this was... Oh, it was AI shoes. It was AI shoes. Now you get it? You understand it? I get it, man. Okay. Uh, Well, while AI was never able... His initials are his nickname. (laughs) Yeah, that's his nickname. Uh, while AI was never able to capture an NBA championship, he did win an MVP, four scoring titles, 11 all-star appearances, and in 2016 he was inducted into the Basketball Hall of Fame. Uh, maybe his greatest achievement was his mastery of merchandise. In addition to having one of the most popular jerseys in history, AI curated a signature sneaker line at Reebok. The series makes up the second longest running basketball line in history. So today we're going to take a walk in Allen Iverson's shoes and we're going to talk about the question. Allen Iverson's Reebok signature shoe, his first one. Damn. Do you guys remember this? Do you guys remember in 96, 97 when these first came out? Yeah, I do. Um, I was not into them, but I remember the uh, classmates who were. <laughs> and like how important it was to them. Um, I remember Reebok had a, a Reebok Classic with like a Philly Skyline sneaker, and I remember like that was almost like there wasn't like a star in Philly. Like it was like Jerry Stackhouse, yeah, and then those sneakers, and um, because like Sean Bradley was not <laughs> that kind of player, and then like the AI shoes came out, and I remember like I remember people like were crazy about them. Um, Proto hipster, I had chucks. <laughs> yeah, I also remember the kids in my uh, in my my class uh, going from Jordans to Iversons uh, uh, question shoes, and they kind of adopted them slower than I guess you would have thought. Like, because he's a player from Philadelphia, you'd think everyone would just switch right over. But Michael Jordan was literally like the greatest thing of all time. So it took like Allen Iverson showing up and actually being a good player. Like he 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 was drafted in '96, and the shoe was already out by the time he started playing. So like I think it took like about. A, Nine months to a year. I remember by the summertime, people were wearing them, and people who had been kids who had been like sneakerheads who were all about Jordans were suddenly wearing uh, the question. And uh, I th- also never like kept up on this, and I thought the question was the sh- his shoe for all time. But that this was just his first shoe. He like he then had another series called the Answer that came out every with a with a with a new uh, shoe every year after that. But the question, the first one, they're like they're super unique and. Uh, original, and then they would only bring them out uh, with different colorways for special occasions and things. It's crazy that he already had a shoe, like, going into, um, like, he never even, pl- like, what if he flopped, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, in the in the NBA, like, uh, but they already knew, like, how incredible he was and that he was going to be a star. Did you ever see the game, or there's clips from it where it's, it's like Michael Jordan's last season with the Wizards, and uh, and they play the Sixers, and Iverson just like eats them up, man. It's yeah, like, and it's like a young man, Allen Iverson. Like he, yeah. It's like, <clears throat> like the uh, he's like, yeah, he's he's how old must he have been? You know, 
his early yeah, 20s. Like 19 uh, he looks like a kid, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, he's also like, I, I always like mentioned there's this funny thing in Philly. You could be an athlete that never won a championship, but you're a legend. And uh, like Allen Iverson yeah. is one, but like, and like Ron Hextall is one, but like, Con- uh, Donovan McNabb is not, and Eric Lindros is not. And uh, I always think it's interesting when there's like some sports athletes in Philly that are just like embraced, even though they didn't win the big game, uh, but are just like, no, you're, you're like, you're just always great. Yeah, that is really interesting. That's weird that like guys like Lindros and Donovan McNabb don't get that. Maybe it's because maybe it's a personality thing or a personal style thing. Iverson, like he had a look as soon as he showed up, like kids started dressing like him and wearing the headband and the compression sleeve and like 13 year olds wearing a compression sleeve playing basketball, trying to look like him. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, right. I think that, I think that like, he, he had, like, a completely original look that, um, from head to toe, that, like, then stood out and permeated the culture in general. And, like, uh, for a lot of people who didn't pay attention to, uh, you know, rap music videos and uh, other culture outside of their, uh, you know, narrow, um, uh, you know, field of vision, sports was a place where they, like, got a look at different people from different backgrounds, and Allen Iverson just put it out there all the time. I don't know this for a fact, but he, I'm pretty sure he's the first guy to to wear his uniform all baggy like that. I remember watching it as a kid and being like, this guy wears his uniform the way guys who play uh, at the park dress. Uh, completely different from Michael Jordan, who has his shorts hiked up all high, and you could you could see his like upper thigh and stuff, and I... I don't know. Yeah. I don't know whether that was like. Yeah, again, if Michael Jordan hears you talking shit like that, he's gonna. Yeah, if he listens. <laughs> Jordan, your nerdy shorts. I'm calling out your nerdy shorts. John Zito talked about my shorts, and I and I took offense to that. <laughs> <laughs> he made up a story that Zito uh, uh, <laughs> threw the shorts at him in an airport <laughs> his back bar. Mister, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it didn't happen. He just he just needed to psych himself up. If you've never watched the, we reference this all the time. What, what is it called? The what, Last what's Dance. The uh, the Last Dance. The yeah. Last Dance. If, even if you're not a huge basketball fan, you, you gotta watch it. it. It's so entertaining. It's gonna come up a bunch during this too because there really are like the like. Uh, there are like some interesting juxtapositions between Iverson and Jordan, specifically because they both also have this super successful uh, shoe line, and uh, it's almost a generational thing with um, with Iverson showing up like 10, 12 years after Jordan did. So, uh, and there's like a style of play, and then they all got to confront one another, and so that's all part of the story as well. So it's going to come up, and uh, people should check it out. I think it's on Netflix. Uh, Michael Jordan's Last Dance. Um, it'll make this episode of the podcast and future Always promoting episodes the, the little guy. <laughs> <laughs> Got to make sure Michael Jordan gets paid. This, uh, this, this, God, yeah. Michael Jordan's <laughs> TV show is shout out. <laughs> Ten episodes. It's worth the investment. You have the time. <laughs> Michael Jordan's like, hey, they mentioned me <laughs> on their show. <laughs> Okay, all right. We're here to talk about Iverson. Uh, Iverson arrived real in quick. Philadelphia. Oh, real, real, yeah, sure. real quick. <laughs> like what? Real quick trivia note, because I just read I read a, a book about the making of NBA Jam like six months ago, and Michael Jordan had his own like licensing thing. That's why he wasn't in NBA Jam. But after NBA Jam came out, he had um, Midway make a special NBA Jam 
um, only for him where it was a Michael Jordan and he was the best player. He had the best stats. <laughs> they made of <laughs> Just for him. So it was like literally there's one of them and it's like in his garage or whatever. And it's so you can play as Michael Jordan in NBA Jam. Only if you're friends with Michael Jordan, though. He's gonna. He, you're never gonna be able to play as him. Like he's always gonna be. He's not gonna pick Muggsy Bogues. You know what I mean? Like he's gonna. <laughs> he's gonna. He's gonna play as himself. Right. Uh, Allen Iverson arrived in Philadelphia in the summer of 1996 as the number one pick in an NBA draft featuring future Hall of Famers Kobe Bryant, Ray Allen, and Steve Nash. A highly decorated class. Damn. Yeah. Philadelphia became the epicenter for Iverson's exploits for 10 seasons, and his fearless, aggressive style of play mimicked the rowdy spirit of the city. Uh, He was quickly embraced. Iverson also represented a style revolution in the NBA. Unlike other players who wore boring suits and blazers pregame, Iverson wore baggy clothes, cornrows, tattoos, do-rags, and jewelry. Uh, He was a spokesperson for hip-hop culture in the NBA and represented a large population of basketball fans that didn't see themselves reflected in the other players. Speaking of The Last Dance, do you guys remember, you guys both watched it, the suits that the the, uh, Chicago Bulls championship teams wear are like super expensive and ugly as hell. They're just wearing these ill-fitting Night at the Roxbury. Very 90s. They're just awful. Awful suits. Um, Awful suits. They're very ugly. So, again, you know, in, in 1991, 1992, Jordan is uh, on TV. He's the biggest, most uh, famous basketball player, uh, but he kind of looks corny. He, he's wearing those those berets and those Jeff caps and uh, wearing these big baggy suits, and here comes somebody like <laughs> Iverson who looks more like the audience that uh, the NBA is trying to appeal to, you know, teenagers. They also, I mean, th- this is a little later when... Iverson gives his like famous practice speech, but those two were so different. Like, like Iverson would be like, ah, like I'm not gonna show up to practice, and like Jordan was the first one there and the last one to leave, and like made everybody hustle as hard as like than they ever would. You know what I mean? So they had, they definitely had different personalities, and it was also like the changing of the, it was like that was sort of old. Jordan was like the last, like of the old school like basketball or not all completely old school basketball but like there's definitely a line where it started to change more to like iverson type personalities and stuff i mean i think it's iverson he's the he's the line he's the guy who changed it he didn't just come in uh, looking a certain way but he also played a different kind of basketball for every move that a guy like jordan made uh iverson had to make 10 moves because he was smaller and skinnier and uh you know, that's I, the other thing. I think that's why I think that's also part of why he tapped into like everybody like just loved him because like he was already like if you look at him, he's like an underdog because it's like he's like five, whatever. Like he's already small for being a basketball player, but he uses that to his advantage. Um, and like I feel like that's why like kids and like younger people like had like a special connection with him too. of just like he's like not that much taller than me and he's incredible yeah there's a there's an uh, achievability there iverson style was celebrated by most fans but the nba executives felt differently today hip-hop has been fully integrated into mainstream culture but back then when iverson entered the league in the mid-90s the fashion and the culture associated with hip-hop music was still considered controversial 
The NBA was extremely wary. Basketball music before that was like Sweet Honey Brown. That was basketball music. You yeah. know? And like uh, the the Chicago Bulls, like. Bow, 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 bow. Yeah, like it's <laughs> like that progress. It's a it's a um, Alan Parsons project. That that was basketball. <laughs> That was the sound of basketball. And um, uh, that's the John Tesh one. It's like John Tesh is the sound of basketball. Oh, my God, Beerman, you're right. I haven't thought about that in forever. You know what that song's called, too? You know what it's called, too? No. What? Round Ball Rock. I swear to God, that's what it's called. What oh, is it on man. Jock Jams? How do you know that? How do you know? I watched the live version of it, and he oh, like cool. he like <laughs> pretends to <laughs> dribble a basketball, dude. I'm telling you, we gotta watch it. It's great. We gotta link to it. We'll it has nothing to, it to do with, with what we're talking about. As the do we're talking about, but John Tesh clips live. John Tesh live with an orchestra. <laughs> live is when John Tesh really like brings out like that's, well, that's when that's, all can, he, that's, that's when it really spans. that's when round ball rock like really like gets the breathe. You yeah. Know? Oh my god. No. <laughs> oh. You really got me there, Beerman. Uh, Commissioner David Stern took dramatic steps to limit Iverson's influence on the game. In 2005, he went as far as establishing a strict dress code that banned the style of clothing that AI was known for. Many players abided by the league's new rules, but not Iverson. He would not let the dress code stop him from dressing how he wanted to. Through his fierce personal style and defiance of Stern's edict, Iverson solidified his status as a fashion icon. Of course, the key element to all of AI's outfits were his sneakers. When Iverson uh, was entering the 1996 NBA draft, he had a decision to make. He was being courted by sneaker companies, and it became uh, very apparent that it would come down to two uh, suitors, Nike or Reebok. Uh, Usually, it takes a season or two for a new signee to receive their own signature shoe. Players have to prove themselves worthy before a brand makes the investment that goes into developing a new model. But Iverson was different. As soon as you looked at this guy, you knew he was already a star. Uh, From his time at Georgetown, Iverson was already draped in Nike. Georgetown has always been a Nike school, and coach John Thompson sat on Nike's board of directors. During Iverson's two years on campus, he could be seen wearing everything from Jordan XLs to Nike Way Ups, Air Unlimiteds, uh, or Air Up Highs. After hiring David Falk as his agent in 1996, all signs were starting to point towards Nike. But Falk, despite his uh, ties to Nike and his personal relationship with founder uh, Phil Knight, knew it was the smart thing to wait and see what Reebok had to offer. Uh, Reebok was in need of a superstar, an athlete who could carry the brand going forward. Nike had a firm grip on the sports apparel landscape in the mid-90s. Jordan was, of course, the top dog, but the rest of the Nike basketball roster read like a who's who of the all-NBA team. Despite potentially receiving his own signature shoe, Iverson would never be number one at Nike. Um, I, it's also interesting to note here from the, uh, from the last dance documentary, how far Jordan went to cover up the Reebok logo, uh, at the 92 Olympic games because he was so into oh, and he wore the American flag over it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Which they make a big deal out of like, yeah, Jordan really stuck it to Reebok that time. But like, uh, 
he was part of the dream team and it was like part of the uh u.s contract with reebok to provide all of these uniforms reebok was going to get a photo of jordan in a reebok jumpsuit and uh nike didn't tell him you have to do something about this or you can't wear the the reebok uh, uniform or the reebok jumpsuit he took it upon himself to uh to to stick it to him like that he we, we um we we all saw that picture that was on like reddit like a while back uh, we sent it to each other it was like backstage a little kid wanted to get a picture with michael jordan but he was wearing reeboks and he was like i'm not getting a picture with you so his mom was like take off your shoes take off your shoes so it's like michael jordan not wanting to take a picture with this kid and like this kid like barefoot in like madison square garden backstage <laughs> oh my god We'll so you know, you 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 could see how Reebok would 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 be want to stick it to Jordan in some way. They were looking for some superstar to upstage him, and uh, they were looking for their own signature line of of shoes to compete with his. Reebok marketing director Q Gaskins had been watching Iverson since Georgetown, and product developer Todd Krinsky was convinced that AI was going to be the next big thing. So they had a prototype of the proposed shoe made in secret, designed by Scott Hewitt. Knowing his affinity for Jordans, the Reebok team made the shoe with a red toe cap, gilly lacing system, and translucent outsole similar to the Jordan XL. Iverson loved the design and signed to the Reebok right away. For them to put all of this money out for him up front before he'd ever even played in the NBA was a huge endorsement. Iverson received a 10-year, $50 million contract from Reebok. Damn. Yeah. Not bad. Not no, bad. not at all. <laughs> no, and like, he... The, what if he, like... But what if he just like broke his leg, like, and then it was like, I can never play again. And they just, it is, it's nuts. They, they are banking so much on this guy who has, they're looking at his college career and, uh, and saying, yeah, he's going to dominate in the NBA. We think this guy's going to be an all-star and they put their money where their mouth is. Um, and it was unheard of at the time. Nobody got a shoe who hadn't been playing for a year or two. Um, that was just not a thing before, uh, before Iverson. So the first official Allen Iverson shoes with Reebok were called The Question. Uh, Reebok planned to have the shoe ready for training camp, but there were problems with the manufacturing. Reebok was employing some state-of-the-art shoe technology and trying to rush it out the door. They couldn't afford to cut anything, though, because market testing had proved the extra bells and whistles were doing it for their core audiences, teenage boys. Uh, so it had like that honeycomb window in the side of the sole and it had like a suede or a vinyl cap on the toe and the laces were on the outside of the tongue. It, it was like a really cool looking shoe. It just like looked really cool and really futuristic to begin with. And then they attached Allen Iverson's name to it. I always remember like the kids who had, like were who wore sneakers like that were like not the kids who were like athletic. <laughs> 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 Well, that's the promise of the shoe, right? Yeah, I always remember like, like thinking, are you going to just like play in the NBA right now? <laughs> <laughs> you play just like play some basketball real quick. Like it was always, I don't, not basketball. T- not people who look like they were going to play basketball. I feel like we're the kids who always had it. Didn't you say uh, before that all the you trove? You said before all the kids. Who wore Jerry Stackhouse shoes were mean <laughs> in your neighborhood. You said. Yeah, and then they went to that. Then they w- <laughs> Yeah, I did say that. <laughs> what is the that? Fila Jerry Stackhouse shoes. Those kids were assholes. Yeah, then they wore the Iverson shoes. I- I'm talking. About- 
It's mean Italian kids, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Who weren't any good at basketball. They weren't even good at basketball. Why do we play always wearing their basketball shoes? <laughs> it's crazy that uh like Jerry Stackhouse and Iverson were on the same team and they both had I know shoes. Yeah. From two different companies, you know what I mean? I don't yeah. remember the Stackhouse shoe being a thing at all. I, I knew every all the kids I knew who were into sneakers were all about Jordans. I, I don't I guess you had to be a fan of Stackhouse to wear his shoe. Yeah, it was like they attempted to be it was never it didn't get to anywhere near Jerry's Jordans. like yeah. I mean he also wasn't a star like Alan Iverson yeah, was well, either, yeah, you yeah. know. Yeah. Uh I'm t- it is crazy. Like the Sixers were like all in on on Sean Bradley for so long. He's even in uh, the Looney Tunes movie. Um, what's it called? Uh, yeah, Space, Space Jam. Jam. Like he's like, he's the white guy. Like and that's like <laughs> and that's the Sixer. You know, <laughs> the guy who everyone dunks on. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's <laughs> that's Sean Bradley. Where do I sign up? Well, I want his shoe. <laughs> Uh, 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 uh. It's got a hole in it. It's got a hole in it. <laughs> uh, poor Sean Bradley. Oh man, he was great. He just happened to always get dunked on in spectacular fashion. Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, Reebok wanted to be not only aggressive in its marketing of Iverson uh, and his signature shoe, but to package Iverson just as he was. Quote. All along, Reebok told me they didn't want me to make myself up, end quote. Iverson remembered that they let him be himself. The shoe was an instant smash both on and off the court. Iverson came out of the gates on fire during his rookie campaign and was easily the most impressive rookie from one of the greatest drafts in NBA history. Off the court, the question was already becoming a legend. Originally released in the fall of 1996 with a retail price of $99.99, Reebok could only get limited pairs into the marketplace due to the timing of Iverson signing with Reebok and the final confirmation of the question's design. Due to those production restrictions, Reebok initially only put the shoe in Philadelphia, D.C., and New York markets. Uh, so initially... Oh, wow. it was- That's cool. Huh. Yeah, and some one of the articles that I had read uh, had that people were driving from all over the place to come to Philly and D.C. and New York to go get them because this is still shoes. This is right before the era of the big like sneaker shoe store and the sneaker drops. Yeah. So mom and pop stores are still selling these. So you would drive to like I, I in one of the articles I read somebody drives to uh, New York and they're just driving to different shoe stores in Lower Manhattan and then they're in Brooklyn and then they finally find a pair. You know what I mean? And then they like it's the red wonder, pair, not yeah. the blue pair. You know, it's like you get what you get. <laughs> God damn yeah. it! No, it's let's cool. go to DC. I, I think. I mean, they. If he was on the Sixers, they may not even have carried those sneakers then. You know. Yeah, that's really cool. Said Krinsky, the product developer. Quote: When we first put them out, I started getting phone calls in the morning that kids were coming in right after school and that the shoes were almost sold out. We started hearing stories from the employees that kids were coming from Delaware and Boston, driving three, four hours to go to a Philly store to get the shoe. Because uh, they couldn't find it anywhere else. After the second day, it was completely yeah. sold out. End quote. So within two days, wow. within forty-eight hours, the initial run was completely gone from all stores in D.C., Philly, and New York. Iverson's career had just begun, and Reebok put out a shoe that retailers weren't completely sold on initially, and they still flew off the shelves. Iverson clearly possessed something special that retailers uh, 
uh, took notice of. And they began to beg for more pairs. But more importantly, Iverson's team at Reebok knew that he had permeated the culture and was taking Reebok along with him. They now had relevance in a market where they previously had none. Again, these teenagers who were not paying attention to Reebok because uh, Nike had locked up all of the players like Jordan. Iverson most notably wore the questions while crossing over Michael Jordan in their first matchup after the All-Star break. Uh, most people have seen this video. Uh, if you know Iverson, it's in every highlight reel. Most people. Have you seen a, have you seen a highlight reel? <laughs> most most, of, uh, most most Philly sports fans, right? It's, it's awesome. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, MJ is actually wearing the Jordan 12s, and Iverson just blows by him in his own signature branded sneakers. Uh, it's an incredible ad for the shoe and for Iverson himself. I mean, it's just like you, you, they paid no money for it. It was just it's on TV, and then they showed it all night uh, in replays, and then they showed it um, uh, on ESPN later on in a clip package, and then it's talked about for a week, and it's just an yeah. ad for the shoe. It's just constantly an ad for the shoe. Um Next time you take a look at the clip or the photo of it, I take a look at their shoes. They're like literally toe to toe. It's it's pretty interesting. In the this is this is only tangentially related, tangentially related, whatever. But the the in that Jordan documentary, it shows him he he um, put in his laces every game. Remember that? Like, yes. He like did it himself. He laced up his shoes every game. You ever hear like Wayne Gretzky he would eat like a hot dog and a and a diet coke or something before every game? <laughs> that was his like <laughs> ritual. Yeah. Yeah, like two hot dogs and a Coke. And, and, and I don't know. I eat hot dogs. How come I'm not thinking? Scores more gold than anyone else. <laughs> I'm sure Jordan has a bunch of rituals. I didn't even get into it because they're probably too weird. Combs his hair one, 130, <laughs> 123 times, and he has no hair. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, after initially releasing the question in two colorways, uh, white and red and white and blue, in the fall of 1996, more colorways began to emerge over the ensuing seasons. Uh, white and black and black and gold colorways emerged in 97 as the Sixers switched from their traditional red, white, and blue uh, uh, jerseys to a more modern black and gold design. Uh, that's 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 when they dropped hip. Sixers. That's when they yeah. dropped uh, big shot. Yeah, right. That's a different <laughs> big shot. Old Sixers out. Hip hop. Uh, 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 you're in. <laughs> black, gold, white, red, gradient. Sixers in. Yeah. We Welcome went, to the new we, millennium. We need a jacked up bunny rabbit as our mascot. <laughs> we need a bunny rabbit who like lifts weights. Yeah. The flip. Well, you know they 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 the rebrand is the is going with Iverson. You know at some point they just gave into it. And they were like, we're whatever he wants, we're into it. Well, I, not to get too much into the history of the team, I guess, but in 96, they, he did not do much in his first season. He did not do much to make the team better. He did great. He, he had an amazing year, but the team was just garbage around him. So he, uh, they had it dismantled. It's not his, it's not his and, fault. No, it's not. And so the next year, they, uh, you know, Pat Croce, uh, who we mentioned in the Jim Croce episode, uh, Pat Croce. Oh, Jim Croce. <clears throat> Jim, Jim Croce's cousin, <laughs> Pat Croce. The president. Pat Croce. He hired Larry Brown in 97, and then they kind of built the team around uh, Iverson. Although, and I mean, yeah. you know, they did as, as, as good a job as they could, but this is where Iverson's bad attitude reputation comes from in these few years. Uh, by 2000, 2001, he had, like, shaped up and uh, uh, was going, was, you know, making playoff appearances and then the championship games in uh, 2001. So like he turned it around, but that's where this reputation of of him comes from, of him not being a team player or whatever comes from. Um, but yeah, those are the black and gold uh, jersey years, and uh, I actually I love those uh, uniforms. Uh, 
I like the retro stuff they're doing now, but I, I, for me, the retro stuff is the stuff from when I was a kid. It's the black and gold. Iconic. Iconic, yeah. Uh, the Iverson sneaker line would grow beyond just the question, and eventually they would release 14 signature shoes. Uh, they are named The Answer and would continue to sell well as Iverson was becoming one of the league's best and most popular players. Uh, this is the series of shoes that ultimately became Iverson's yearly reoccurring sneaker line. And like every year, the shoe looks completely different. It's a new design. It's new colors. It's like, that's the answer. It's like, it's always new. It's always fresh. Yeah, it's kind of cool that his nickname was The Answer and the shoe was The Question. And then they just named the new shoe The Answer. I guess they were like, it should just be think named after him. <laughs> Where did that came from? Did he have like a like an like an ad agency to come up with like a cool nickname? I think it was it's like an alpha and an omega thing. I was trying to like Google like where he first said it or where it first came from, but it, the question and the he he is both the question and the answer, and that's where the nickname comes from. Like that phrasing, he is uh, the question and the answer to I don't know, you know, it's like the alpha and the omega, the chicken and the egg. What came first, kind of like metaphysical to the, nickname. To the, so the Wachovia man. Center's problems. Wachovia Center. Damn. What else was it? Uh, the First Union that? Center. And first was, Union Center. It was the Wells Fargo Center, I believe now. Yeah. Core States when it opened, I believe. Core State Center. <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spectrum Two. Spectrum Two. <laughs> This is the episode where I prove how old I am. <laughs> <laughs> the question was so popular that Reebok envisioned a scenario in which every year at the All-Star Game, Iverson would wear a special edition of his shoe in the hosting team's colors. The Golden State Warriors were hosting in 2000, so they manufactured a yellow sneaker with a blue toe cap and highlights. Because the shoes clashed with his uniform, Iverson refused to wear them for the game. He insisted that if he didn't look good, he couldn't play good. Uh, I will we'll we'll include the shoes in the visual right companion. To feel right. <laughs> yeah, I guess I, I I guess it clashed with the uniform. He didn't want to wear it. The shoes dressed are, to impress. They're majority yellow, so I can see why they wouldn't why they wouldn't like match. Um, they definitely stand out. They're Golden State Warrior colors. Uh, they're Fellini colors. They look like the it looks the shoes look like they belong at the South Fellini. Oh, these store. are the ones you told me you were gonna buy. Yes, I tried to buy them last night. <laughs> I looked them up. I tried to buy them. They're very expensive. Uh, I'm gonna buy them. I'm gonna buy. I'm gonna buy all. all you're gonna buy them out. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't yes. have them. I'm gonna tell me your tweet me your sizes and I'll. <laughs> cool. Eleven and a half. I'm gonna uh, no. Eleven. Eleven. I'm gonna wear them in the snow. No. Be, <laughs> special occasions. <laughs> So uh, prior to the All-Star game, the shoe had been shown to Iverson in Philadelphia to get his approval on the design. Uh, Krinsky uh, said that AI responded, quote, hell yeah, I'll wear that, end quote. So they made the hell shoe. Hell yeah. Yeah, he saw it. He thought it was cool. Uh, 15,000 pairs were made. Sold. And they, they sold retailers uh, on it. It was booked around the world. Uh, it was a special edition shoe. And this is, again, the beginning of the, the sneaker store culture and uh, waiting in line for big drops and things like that. And these were suppo- this was supposed to be a huge, uh, a huge release centered around the All-Star game. And now here's Iverson refusing to wear the shoes. No, thanks. <laughs> these are ugly. <laughs> <laughs> you said you liked them. No, that doesn't sound like me. I don't... 
No. I would have never said that. I was saying it would be nice. <laughs> uh, so when Krinsky got word that Iverson wasn't wearing them at the All-Star game, he was understandably in a panic in the midst of sitting with both re- retailers and the media who he'd just uh, brought in to cover the release of the shoe. So Krinsky... Uh, being as desperate as he was to salvage the launch, went and found Iverson's mom and pleaded his case to her. And she agreed to go talk to her son at halftime. Uh, quote, <laughs> she tries to talk to him at halftime, and he's like, Mom, I'm not wearing those shoes. I'm not wearing that shoe, Mom. End quote. <laughs> That's so funny. It was like, it's just like, like you think Alan Iverson was like, Mom, like, come on, you're embarrassing me. It's the all-star game. <laughs> But that that's also so funny. It's just like, hey, can you go get Alan Iverson? His mom wants him to put on a different pair of shoes. And it's like, what? I think <laughs> this was... This is halftime. This is like, a terrible I'm move. talking about strategy. This is a terrible move from Re- on Reebok's part. There is no way... I mean, he's like barely <laughs> 25 at this point. There's no way if my mom was like, here, wear these shoes, John. I would wear them at 25. Anything she brought me, I would <laughs> I be like, no. for you. <laughs> I got these shoes. I'd be like, oh, thanks, right in the garbage. Because whatever your mom yeah. gets you at 25... So Reebok going to his mom was just a bad, just a bad move. Oh, man. That's so funny. Uh, yeah. Krinsky explained that Iverson change, uh, his change of heart came from I him think getting mocked face. in the locker room for wearing the yellow sneakers. So I guess he showed up, he put on the yellow sneakers, and then he got made fun of for them. Uh, AI recalls, quote, nowadays everybody does it. The wilder the shoe, the better. One cat's wearing gold. Some dude's wearing a yellow one. And the left one is red and the bright one is, is blue. Now it's common. But back in the day, people weren't as crazy about it, end quote. So like he even recognizes yeah, now, now it that is it was, like it, it is just like it's like who's it's now it's just like who's going to wear like the craziest shoe like but, but I guess back then it was it's different. Yeah, back then it was all about matching and I'm I'm guilty of like carrying that mindset through to my thoughts on sports uniforms and and basketball uniforms specifically to today but uh I like when uh the shoes and the and the uniform and the uh, the 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 uh, the the training uniform pocket squares the pocket squares the the the, <laughs> the cravats I like when they all match yeah the cravats the cravats the bolo ties yeah yeah it's important I think it's cool we talk about it all the time Trove sent me a photo the other day of the Flyers 1970s training uh, uniforms their their athletic outfits oh yeah oh the jumpsuits oh my or god the sweatsuits yeah the they're sweatsuits cool, right? they're, they're beautiful they're awesome they have white zippers they're yeah. orange with black cuffs they're they're so yeah. crisp and then you get like you get like 12 of the ugliest guys in the world standing around in them and they look presentable <laughs> <laughs> cool hair though <laughs> Yeah, real cool hair. That's true. Uh, yeah. What was the other one? The uh, the Hornets had the first pleated shorts. <laughs> <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> uh, it's very nineties. Very nineties. They can't all be winners. You need room to stretch. So the launch had been ruined, but Reebok kind of salvaged it that year because Michigan State had a um, a strong playoff run, and all of a sudden, all of the guys in there on their team were wearing the question with the green toe cap, which was the alternate that they put out with those fifteen hundred for the All Star game. So the alternate ended up becoming more popular because it was featured on TV. The whole Michigan State team was wearing them and uh, and having this like mm. monumental uh, uh, winning run. That's awesome. Yeah, it's cool. Um, and it was it matched their colors, so that it's like it's for them. It's they're young guys. This is uh, this is the new shoe. It's in their colors. It's, it's 
pretty cool. It's like their own Iversons. That's, I mean, that's yeah. pretty cool. Um, so, and Reebok was not dissuaded. They doubled down. Uh, they loved Iverson. And uh, when Iverson led the Sixers uh, to the 2001 NBA Finals uh, and was named league MVP, Reebok signed him to a lifetime deal. In addition to uh, the $800,000 he would receive annually, the former guard uh, also is uh, due a $32 million payout that he can't touch until 2030. So it's like in a trust fund or something. And when he turns 55. Wow, yeah, really? Yep. Yep. That's crazy. So every year they pay him a That's... salary and then they also put money in this uh this trust fund or this 401k however they have it, you know, structured and uh it'll be worth 32 million dollars and he'll get that um in 2030. Damn. That's a great That's deal. That's wild. Yeah, they banked on him and they continued to market him and his shoes all of these years. I mean, uh, I Trove might have even brought it up on the show before. We talk about it. The Reebok store on South Street was totally decked out in 2001 or 2002 with um with, with Iverson's gear and a big Iverson mural you could see from the street and uh he was there at the store launch it was like his store full of his product he worked there and he worked he, he worked, worked there, there. On, 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 on he Sunday, measured your feet. Sunday mornings yeah he measured Sunday mornings he worked there <laughs> size up <laughs> <laughs> uh so yeah this is a big commitment from Reebok um and uh they were they were using his influence on the culture and using that to help them sell shoes and and jerseys and and headbands, I guess, and compression hey, sleeves. I don't know if you um you probably don't you I don't know if you can look it up the second, but do you see there back that that same time there was a there was a high school basketball player who got drafted to the NBA, and his name was Eddie Griffin, and he went I think with the Roman, and uh, this was going on like the same time Allen Iverson was like going to be in the championship. Uh, the NBA championship and like this place on South street, this, these sneakers, like all these things, like in the weirdest way tied together, there was this other national media thing. And I would, I wouldn't be surprised if they also wore Iverson apparel. Do you remember what I'm talking about? I think this guy, like, I was, do. Uh, he got drafted NBA and he was going to be the next one of these guys. I guess there was like a ton of these guys who were like going to be the next, whatever. Um, and then mm. he, I think he died in a car crash or something. He, or he, he died in 2007. He died really young. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about, though. Wow. I guess you could. Yeah, he, he died. He died in 2007. He went to Roman Catholic. Um, yeah, I do remember this. He was like he was going to be the next big thing. Um, uh, and Philadelphia, being Iverson's town, there was uh, just the inherent comparisons between the two. Yeah. Yeah. Like I remember, yeah, ESPN being in town for like Iverson things and this guy in high school things. In the 22 years since the question's original release, Reebok has pumped out nearly every colorway imaginable of the question. There have been releases chronicling the other stops in his NBA career, most notably Denver. So he's got like a bunch of uh, versions of the shoe that are in Denver colors. Uh, the NBA and its legion of worldwide fans found an unlikely hero in Iverson. In many ways, he was the anti-Jordan, anti-Jordan, whereas Jordan's image was carefully crafted. Iverson was more take it or leave it. And for a generation of sports fans who identified with his struggle or simply loved his style, he won millions of fans around the world in ways that only his rivals could understand. Uh, so it's pretty interesting that like, you know, we're sitting here and we compare him back and forth with Michael Jordan in the ways that he is different. But in reality, you know, as the guy with like a number two selling shoe of all time, he's more closely related to these guys than he has, you know, differences between them. And like I was thinking about it when um, you told us we were doing this. The I never had a pair of Jordans, but I had a pair of Iversons. Like I I I I didn't like um I wasn't like in the sneakers and 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 stuff really as a kid but like 
It was like I had the black. There was like a black one, the black and silver ones. This was later on, like probably around 2001, because I remember watching. That was so exciting that year. I remember watching every game of that that year. Yeah, 2001 was a great run. We watched the finals in Trove's basement, actually, and uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we, had, we, had, we had a good time. It was... Turn, Zito was like, I thought we were playing D&D. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know watch this. I wore my wizard hat. <laughs> oh, wait. I heard, Wait, I heard John Tesh wrote a song about uh, for this. <laughs> Turn it up. Turn it up. Turn it up. That's that's pretty much all I got um, as far as the history of the question. Uh, Alan Iverson's signature sneaker from Reebok. Do you guys do you guys have anything you want to add? He was just like so awesome. Like he, he, he even if you weren't um, really a sports fan, like he like was so exciting to watch, and that time was so exciting. Um, and like yeah, his jersey was like everywhere, and like he was just like. It, it was such a fun time for the city. I think. Yeah, I, I, like I was saying, I think it's wild that he is one of the athletes that didn't win a championship but is loved. Uh, it's it's a rare feat to be a, to be a Philadelphia athlete that is that has crossed those lines. Yeah, it's a huge achievement. Um, we're all gonna go out and buy uh, pairs of the question, the Reebok question, as soon as we sign off here. Yeah, I know the I original would. ones the original for like five thousand. <laughs> yeah, whatever, whatever it takes, man. You know, I want to be authentic. Okay, that's pretty much all there is to know about Iverson's kicks. Please check out our website www.southfellini.com. That's s o u t h f e l l i n i dot com for cool Philly inspired merch. Check us out on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We're at South Fellini everywhere. Follow along and join in the conversation. We want to hear from you. I promise we're gonna do an Arizona mission episode soon. <laughs> Uh, Look out for new episodes of the podcast every Monday. Stay safe, wash your hands, and wear a mask. Bye. Bye.